You're listening to the Mount Pleasant Podcast. To learn more about our church, visit us online at www.mpbc.church. We hope today's message encourages and inspires you. morning. It is so good to see everyone. Now, if you will, turn in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 12, and we'll be looking at verses 12 through 17 today. Again, we want to welcome everyone. Glad you're here. But as we've been studying through the book of Hebrews, you know, through the first 11 chapters, what we've really looked at and studied really is, is doctrine, is doctrine. And now what we're looking at through chapter 12 is, now how does that apply into our life? Because yes, doctrine is very important to understand what truth is and and what God expects out of our lives and how we should live our lives as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. But then, you know, as we see that, you know, how does that apply to our life? What are we supposed to do now? And, you know, this is being told to the uh, to these Hebrews and these these Jews. And, you know, the primary the primary the primary primary thing that was being established here was the supremacy of Jesus Christ, that he was superior to the angels, that he was superior to Moses. He was superior to Joshua. And now as we look at the law, he was superior to the high priests. You know, all, all those animals, all those lambs that they were bringing to the tabernacle to be sacrificed for uh, forgiveness of sin as the high priest would take that blood and they would sprinkle it on the altar. And of course, that one day a year, the day of atonement, that the high priest would go into the Holy of Holies and he would take that blood and sprinkle it on the Ark of the Covenant in representation of forgiveness for the whole nation. But what's being told is that Jesus has come. You know, in that law, there was always the prophecy of a Messiah to come, of one that would take place of all those sacrifices that were going on, and that this Messiah would provide the ultimate sacrifice. And we know Christ did that upon the cross as he, as he hung there, and he shed the blood that was needed. Remember, we've learned without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins, no forgiveness of sins. And Jesus, the perfect sacrifice, shed that blood in fulfillment of the law. And so we know, as we've learned through Hebrews chapter 9, that yes, all that blood that was shed, think about it, all those lambs, bulls, how much blood was poured out on those altars. But that Jesus, His blood was even much more, much more. Because yes, they brought those, those lambs in, in honor or in worship to God, but again, it was with faith, and it was to the point that they realized there was one coming that they would not have to do that anymore. And Hebrews 9 verse 14 tells us, How much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered Himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God? And then as we look through chapter 11 and the time we spent there, that yes, it was faith. It was faith. Yes, they brought the sheep. They brought those bulls. The blood was shed as a representation of their faith that they were worshiping God, that they were honoring God. They realized what he had established right now was the bringing of those sacrifices for the forgiveness of their sin. And they were willing to do that to show their faith. And we went through these lives of Abraham, Moses, Noah, to see that it was faith that was put forth. And now for us, because we know Christ had come, as we saw that picture earlier, that Christ had come and now it's faith. 
It's repentance of sin and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus fulfilled all the law. And so what we see here is now these Hebrews, these Jews that have repented of their sins and give their life to Christ, they are living this out in their lives. You know, at the beginning of chapter 12, we see an exhortation, an encouragement, a, a call to, to, to give their lives to Christ again, to be obedient to His Word, and, and a running analogy had been used. And we've seen this picture of Worknesh de Geffa, who won the Boston Marathon, and that's been shown over the past few weeks, to show us that this walk, this run, if you will, is not a sprint, it's a marathon. It's for perseverance and endurance, yes, through the bad and through the good in our lives as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we've learned over the past few weeks that evidently there was a little bit of a falling away because in that first part of chapter 12 again, it talks about an encouragement not to grow weary, not to be faint-hearted. See, there was persecution coming. These Jews that had now stepped out of Judaism and, and had put in their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and, and giving their life to Him, that now they're being persecuted for that faith. And some of them are probably questioning, do I, do I really want to do this? Am I, am I really all in on this? And there's a struggle when persecution comes. There's, there's a struggle sometimes to, to fight through that. And so here, the Apostle Paul again, who I believe wrote the book of Hebrews also, that's arguable, but what the Apostle Paul put here, that don't grow weary, don't be faint-hearted, be encouraged. Remember what Christ did on the cross. He took the pain, He took the wrath of God, He took our sin upon His body, He paid what we cannot pay as He was on that cross and that He died, was buried, but rose again showing we can have victory over sin, we can have forgiveness of our sins. And so we saw through that, though, there was a discipline. There was some godly discipline discipline going on. And, but there's an end result to discipline. And we saw that in chapter 12, verse 11. And as we look at this, it says, For the moment all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. And now as we look at these verses, 12 through 17, we see the Apostle Paul is kind of like being a coach here. He's kind of encouraging them. Yes, the, the, the discipline has come. And, you know, sometimes a lot of times when we're disciplined, we kind of start, you know, moping around, feeling sorry for ourselves at times. And we, as we read these verses, you'll see an indication of that. But here's the Apostle Paul going again. Come on, come on. The discipline has happened, but come on, get back in the game. Get back in the game. So let's look at our verses. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 12 through 17. And it says, Therefore, lift your drooping hands. And therefore, we know is a transition. So again, we look back at what we learned last week and talking about discipline, that the discipline had happened. But therefore, because of that, lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. Strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled. 
that no one is sexually immoral or unholy like Esau, who sold his birthright for a single meal. For you know that afterward, when he desired to inherit the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no chance to repent, though he sought it with tears. Now, Pastor Kevin alluded to this a little bit last week as he was talking about discipline. That, that sometimes, you know, instead of just going right at and disi disciplining the action, that, that we look to the heart, look to the heart, and maybe ask some questions why they may have lashed out that way, your child may have lashed out or acted that way. And I, I can remember growing up that as, as my dad would discipline me, that afterwards sometimes, you know, we'd be in my room and he'd say, son, sit down. And I'd say, Dad, I don't think I can, but I'll try. Some of y'all get that. But anyway, but no, I would sit on the bed and we would start talking. And he'd say, son, you know why I had to do that? And then I knew. I, I, I knew by my action, even before it happened, what I did was wrong. And I knew when Dad found out, I was going to be disciplined. I gave him no choice, though, because of my actions. But we would talk a little bit, and he, he, he'd say, okay, now, you understand? And I'd say, yes, yes, Dad. He said, all right, come on, come on then, let's go. And sometimes we'd hug, and, you know, sometimes during the conversation, he would take my face in his hands and lovingly explain why that had to be done. Because within the home, within the household, what he's trying to do is bring peace, bring peace. Because of my action, there was chaos now. He's bringing peace in that home, and he's teaching me under righteousness that I will now know, don't do that again. You know better. Don't do that again, but come on, I'm with you. And he lovingly, lovingly showed me that and directed me to be righteous in my actions and to not do that again. But as we see this, you know, again from verse 11, it, it talks about that end result, that end result. But now we're going a little bit further. This just isn't uh, dad and son. This is, this is God and us and God and the world as we look at these, the, this portion of Scripture. You know, and it's talking about, you know, drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees. And again, to continue that, that analogy of a runner. Uh, I, ran, I used to run a little bit, and I can remember as I'd run, there would be that, that, that point always when I, I get a little bit tired, and because of getting tired, I would tense up a little bit, and, and I'd, I'd drop my hands, and I'd kind of start shaking it out, trying to get back into my rhythm of running, and, and trying to get that second wind in my life, or in my, in my run, and you know, those legs start getting heavy also, and they feel like a couple of tree trunks I'm dragging behind me, but here he's encouraging these believers, the discipline has come. He said, but now look, look, you've been disciplined. Let's step it up. Let's step it up. Come back. So lift those drooping hands, work on those weak knees, and let's go and let's move forward. Yes, discipline may come. Discipline may come to the believer if we start, you know, disobeying God's word. But don't let it tear us down. Let it, let it build us up. Let us recognize, as God himself is probably saying the same thing. Okay, you know better. You've learned. Now let's go. Let's go. Let's go. But verse 13 takes this idea of encouragement and shape up a little bit further. So let's look at verse 13 there in Hebrews chapter 12. It says, and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. You know, as a runner is, is, is running along, and if they start kind of just looking around, you know, what's apt to happen? One, you kind of slow down. 
because you're not focused on what you're doing. But also if you're looking around, you're apt to trip and fall. And as we say, you may be eating pavement or eating gravel, depending on what you're running on. Because you fall forward and hit, hit that face because you're not paying attention. And so as we look at this, it's talking about making our straight path, our, our path straight. And, you know, Christ tells us in Luke chapter 9, verses uh, 20, 23 and 24, that he says, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. He says, For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. And what this is telling us as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, as a follower of Christ, that there is, a, there is a single focus for us. Again, Christ said, if you will follow me, if you will follow me, take up your cross daily and follow me, meaning we, we are following Christ. And, and here in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, it tells us that. Again, the analogy of running, talking about running a race. It says, looking unto Jesus... The author and perfecter, author and finisher of our faith, telling us again that we are to look forward and straight, make our paths straight as we follow Jesus Christ. Because remember, even if we're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, who's going to try to tempt us and trip us up? It's going to be Satan. So if we're looking at Christ, when we're looking at Christ and following Him, then those obstacles that may be put in our way by, by, by Satan, we can look to Christ and He can help us get over those and get through those. Wednesday night we talked about temptation, how we need to have barriers in our lives, how we need to go ahead in our mind, in our mind according to God's Word, put up those barriers in our life so when we're tempted we can get over them through the help of Christ, through the help of the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, Lori's family's from uh, Kentucky, and of course, you know, horse racing's really big out there. And one thing they'll do on some horses is they'll put blinders on them because the, 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 the crowd, as they're running, they're, they're apt to go towards the crowd because of the noise of the sound. And, and so they put blinders so they'll stay focused, so they'll stay in their lane and stay focused and take that shortest route to the finish line. And so as we look at this, we are to make our paths straight. But I want us to look at something else within Proverbs. Turn to Proverbs chapter 4. And this is a great, great portion of Scripture again to look at making our paths straight and staying stay focused on the Lord Jesus Christ. So Proverbs chapter 4, and we're going to look at verses 25 through 27. Think again of looking forward, keeping our eyes on Christ. But verse 25 says, Let your eyes look directly forward, and your gaze be straight before you. Ponder the path of your feet. And again, this word ponder actually is in relation, again, is looking at what's in your path. What, is there something that trips you up or may trip you up that goes again against God's Word? So saying, think, look, and get rid of those things in your life so that we can run straight and we can get through those. So think about it. Ponder the path of your feet, then all your ways will be sure. And that's obvious. That, that, that's very logical. If we get anything that may make us stumble out of our way, our path, our walk is going to be sure. It's going to be straight. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Turn your foot away from evil. You know, as we are running our race, as we've been called to do, looking to Jesus Christ as our author and finisher of our faith, what we must realize is we're in this race with a lot of people around us. Yes, we're in this race with fellow believers, brothers and sisters in Christ, and they're with us in this race, but also there's a lot of people that are lost. 
A lot of people that haven't repented of their sins and given their life to the Lord Jesus Christ that are see our lives. Because as we're walking with Christ, as we're running with Christ, following Him, there's a lot of people watching us. And we don't like to think about that, but they are. And let's face it, we're watching other people. And so, how are we running the race? How am I running the race? Am I running the race in obedience to Christ? Am I going to be a hindrance to someone? You know, as we're running this race, you know, what came to my mind was sometimes when you're watching the Olympics and they run those 5,000 meters and 10,000 meter races, that they're all kind of jumbled up together and, 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 and they're running and they look like at any moment someone could step on another one and knock them down and, and there'd just be a bunch of them falling and getting hurt. But this also is telling us that, that as we look at this, that we were stay in our lane, stay in our lane running for Christ. Now, of course, in this race, people are going to move around a little bit because they're, they're going to try to win that race. But they still, there's still an area they kind of have to stay in until that opening happens. But for us, as we look at it from a spiritual sense of running our race in this world for the Lord Jesus Christ... That if we start moving to the left, if we start moving to the right, what, what are we doing, showing, and displaying to the world? Because think if one of those runners just all of a sudden decided he's just going to clear house, and he starts pushing people out of the way and tripping them and knocking them down. See, we can do that in, 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 in hindsight that sometimes in our life that, that as people are watching us, that, that because they know that we profess Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, that they're looking at our life, that can we be a hindrance? Remember Romans 14, that we talked about, about, about not making a brother stumble. I'm talking about a fellow believer, but what about those that are lost? Are we a hindrance to someone come to know Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior? with our lives. So we must look at it. We must look at our life because we are running it with a lot of people around us. But as we're running this race, how does it look? What are we to do? And these next few verses tell us this. Look at verses 14 and 15 back in Hebrews. If you need to turn back there from Proverbs. Hebrews 12 verses 14 and 15. They detail out a mission that's before us. And so as we've looked at this, as we've looked at these verses, you know, we see an encouragement really, again, to get back in the game, to serve, to straighten up. And, and as we're doing that, those hindrances, those, those obstacles that may have caused us to trip, get them out of our way because we have a mission at hand. In verses 14 and 15, tell us what those are. It says, Strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled. Again, and I've said it before, and I'm going to say it again here, that as we look at these verses, this is an encouragement from the Apostle Paul to these Jews, these Hebrews that may be going through some tough times right now, wondering, you know, okay, how's this going to work out? How am I going to express my faith? Am I really, in a way, am I going to give my life totally to this? Because, you know, there's always that question. We go back to the parable that Jesus uh, told about the sower as he threw the, the, the seed. That there were four different kinds of soil that it landed on. And we know the first three, because of trials, because of, of, of persecution, that, that some would turn away. 
But that fourth soil, that good soil, that that seed uh, came to fruition and it grew and and they, they walked and gave their life to the Lord and there was much fruit from that. So here, this question is coming in, into mine. And here, Apostle Paul saying, get back in the game. You know, the discipline had happened, but come on, come on, get back in it. And you know, today, as Pastor Brad detailed out, you know, here at Mount Pleasant, we're encouraging you, if you're looking for a place to serve, we've got plenty of places. And we want to use that. Again, one, it, it creates unity. It creates, creates unity within a body if we're serving because you get to know people. You get to know them personally in their lives and you can work together and you can pray for each other and, 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 and encourage each other also. And so that's one reason we do these things. But, all, but, but the main point, again, is always to take all this, whatever we can, to go out into our community and to our world to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. So today, you know, Pastor Brad, myself, Pastor Kevin, and everyone that's kind of involved that's helping us today that work in those areas, we're kind of like Uncle Sam. We're going, I want you, you know, or, you know, but we need you. We need you to come join us and, and help. I pray that you will visit these tables at the end of service. You know, you've heard it many times, especially from Pastor Kevin, many hands make a lot work. So again, we encourage you to visit because we do need you. But that is what is being said to these Hebrews. We need you. We need you to come on, help us because there's a lost and dying world out there. Again, look at uh, verses 14 and 15. Let's, let's talk through those now. Again, let's read them. Strive for peace with everyone. And for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God. And I'm going to stop right there. But you know in Matthew chapter 22 that as the Pharisees and Sadducees kept coming against Jesus and they kept asking him questions, trying to trap him, trying, trying to find a reason that they could arrest him. That they sent uh, one of the Pharisees who was a lawyer up to him. He asked them this question. He said, teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? And of course, if you know Scripture and you've studied that, what did, what did Jesus say? You know, He said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. The second is likened to it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Upon these two commandments hang the whole law. The whole law. You know, we kind of shorten that. We say love God and love people. And that's what's being said here. Love God and love people. But see, this strive for peace isn't just a general peace, not just a get-along peace that this is talking about. Because sometimes through that, that get-along idea is that sometimes we can start compromising truth. So we have to be careful as we think about this. But this striving for peace, again, is that, that it is peace with God. Because with our sin... In our sinfulness, we are separated from God. Romans 8 tells us we are enemies with God in our sinfulness and rejection of His provision of salvation through Christ. And so there has to be a repentance and a trust in what the Lord Jesus Christ did for us, a faith to, to, to come together and be with God. So it is a peace that's needed. But it also tells us about holiness, that there is a strive for holiness in our life. And I will tell you that we cannot have peace with people if we do not have peace with God. We will not truly love people if we do not love God. We are to strive for peace with God in our life and we are to strive for holiness in our life. 
And now you may say, Dale, I hear this striving, you're talking works. All I've heard is works up to this point. No, I'm talking about an intimate relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Because if we come to that point, again, realizing our need of forgiveness, and we get to that point of the conviction from the Holy Spirit that we do repent, and, and, and ask Christ to save our souls and we surrender to Him that in our lives then there should be a desire, there should be a want to, to serve God, to obey Him and to be obedient because He's calling us out. Remember right here, He has given us a mission. 2 Corinthians 5 tells us that we are ambassadors for Christ. That He has called us out that now because of our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ that we are to go out and implore people to come to God. And so we have a mission at hand, and we should have a want to, a desire to do so. And so as we look at this, yes, we strive for it, and we should have a want to and a desire to. Because, you know, when it comes down to it, sometimes in some areas of our life, we may be the only person in that area of influence that they will see Jesus Christ. And so how are we running the race? How am I running the race? But I want to use these verses again that we looked at earlier, and this time it's on the screen from Luke chapter 9. I want you to see them. I want you to read them. Luke 9, 23 through 25. If anyone would come after me, let them deny themselves. Let them deny themselves. That means these, this draw from the world, these temptations from the world and Satan, that we will deny them, that we will not go after them, but that we will stay singular focused towards the Jesus Christ. We will take up our cross daily daily and follow him for whoever would save his life will lose it but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it see again that portion of for his sake that we deny those worldly passions that we through our lives people can see the lord jesus christ and yes imperfectly we stumble we fail but then praise God, we can come back to Him, repent, repent, and ask Him to help us, help us. You know, if we profess the Lord Jesus Christ, we have the power of the Holy Spirit in us to be able to do that. But let's look at verse 14, verse 14 again. It says, strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. You know, what it's talking about again is a lifestyle, a lifestyle. And that's why as you study through the New Testament, you will see many times in a lot of the epistles, the letters written that says, make sure you walk in a manner worthy of the gospel. Make sure you walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. And so again, a walk is telling us about a lifestyle. So in our lives, we are to strive personally for it. Because think about it. When we look at these next few verses, we get a command that we're to go out. But how can we go out if we don't look at ourselves? An introspection, first of all. How does our life look? How are we striving for peace with God? How are we striving for holiness in our life? It's hard to go and possibly point out or try to share the gospel with someone who may be sitting beside us in school, may be sitting beside us at, at, at church, may be within our own family, even at work, even just in our area of influence, that if our lives are not exhibiting what we're saying Christ had done for us, so we have to be careful as we, we go out and share the gospel. First, we take care of ourselves. 
You know, as Apostle Paul say, lift those drooping hands up, work on those weak knees. Come on, get in the game. Sometimes we have to maybe look in the mirror and say, Dale, get in the game. Straighten up. You're a hindrance. Straighten up. Do what you know to do. And live it so people can see the Lord Jesus Christ. Because what we see in this next verse, in verse 15, we're going to see a term that is used. Look at verse 15. It says, See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled. This word here, this term, those three words, see to it, actually is described as an overseer. And we're going to get to it here in a couple weeks in Hebrews chapter 13 where it talks about pastors, elders, and, and their responsibility to uh, the church and to believers as, as an overseer, a shepherd. And if you read uh, chapter 13, it says that we are responsible for your souls as a shepherd, as an overseer. And we try to do that faithfully through the teaching of the Word from this area up here on Sundays. We try to encourage, and at times, yes, we correct through the Word that, that we are concerned. We do this in, in love. We, we do it in a, in a loving way. So even just as a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, what this is telling us is that we are overseers. Overseers of the gospel. Overseers as look around in your area of influence. Who is it that may be in your path that does not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? What this verse is telling us is to go to them and see and talk. Ask them. Ask them. I've mentioned uh, this, this uh, story in my life several times here, and I'm going to use it again. But I can remember at the age of 15 after service one day, that this lady came up to me, her name's Sarah Johnson, and she asked me one simple question. Dale, are you saved? You know, she didn't come after me and, and say, I know how you're living, you're an evil, wicked. Uh, and, well, I already knew that, <laughs> but, but she, uh, she just came and said, Dale, are you saved? And I could have lied my way through it very easily. But the conviction of the Holy Spirit was so great, I just looked her in the eye. I said, Sarah, I'm not. Now again, she could have come out, oh, I got him now. He's, he's, he, he's already admitted. Now I can just pound him with the Bible and, and, the, and the Word of God. And she said, well, Dale, let me know. Let, let, I want to let you know that I'm here for you. And if you'd like to talk some more, I'd like to talk to you about your salvation. Because you know the truth. And I want to share with the, from the Word of God the truth of how you can be saved. And see, and I, I say that because as we look at this as overseers, that hopefully none of you will take this and think, oh, now look, I get to go around and become the police of the world and, and, and start pointing everything out. See, because we can do it one or two ways. We can go like a, like a bull in a china shop and even in that become a hindrance. Or we can go this way. Actually, there's three ways then because we can go this way as, as Sarah to me uh, showed me that she came lovingly and just asked that simple question. And that struck up a conversation. I did not get saved that day, but that struck up a conversation. And because of what I saw from her, God used that in my life and kept drawing me till I finally surrendered and give my gave my life to Jesus Christ. But, there, but there's one way we can also go too far on the other way of where we don't want to offend 
and we're unwilling to go and ask someone, you know, and, and, and worried about their response. And just ask that simple question, are you saved? Do you know what that means when I ask you that question? And maybe that strikes up that conversation. You get to share the gospel and God uses it in their life and draws them to repentance because we must realize something. There is an eternity. And when you die, there is one or two places we are going to spend. We're either going to be in heaven with the Lord Jesus Christ or we're going to be hell. And so as we see this, as it's talking about striving for holiness and, and, and to see to it that no one, no one does not obtain the grace of God, and we must realize again what the grace of God is. You know, Titus 2, verse 11 and 12 explains this very clearly to us. Because as we're sharing the gospel, look at the screens, Titus 2, 11 through 12. It says, For the grace of God has appeared bringing salvation for all people. Well, that grace of God, of course, is the Lord Jesus Christ. He has come. He has shown the way of salvation. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. So that salvation has come for all people to give an opportunity of repentance. But it also tells us, training us to renounce all ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. There you go again, a call to holiness. Again, when we're thinking of following Christ and we're denying ourselves and we're taking up our cross daily, that there is a call to that holiness because people are watching us. And are we going to be that light to the gospel that draws them to the Lord? You know, see to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God. See to it that no one obtains that grace. And we can go out and share the gospel. Share the gospel. Now we, we get this view to us of why this is very important. As we look at these last two verses, but I'm going to incorporate verse 15 also. And so let's read 15 through 17 again. So as we look at this, it says, See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled. That no one is sexually immoral or unholy like Esau, who sold his birthright for a single meal. For you know that afterward, when he desired to inherit the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no chance to repent, though he sought it with tears. As we look at this, it's talking about there in the second part of verse 15, a root of bitterness. Make sure this root of bitterness does not spring up. Now, as I was looking at that, that, that would take us back to Deuteronomy chapter 29. And what is going on there in Deuteronomy, those, that section of chapters, especially chapter 29, is that again, the nation of Israel is getting ready to go into the promised land. And God is going to set them apart. He is going to use them to show His glory, who He is to these other nations that are around, that God Yahweh is the only true God, and they are to give their lives to Him. And so what we're looking at here, not only the outside, but now we're looking at the inside because what this was talking about was within the nation of Israel. Again, make sure, make sure, even within your nation, that there's not a root of bitterness that rises up. And think about, think about a root. Think about a root. 
Think about your yard. You're trying to get the weeds out, and you start pulling on one, and, and you start pulling, you think that's it. Well, then it keeps going and going, and you know, you, you got roots all through that mulch pile. You know, for us, one of the worst things we got is poison ivy. You believe that? As you, you grab that, and it's, it just goes everywhere. It goes everywhere. And that creates, you know, you grab it, you grab hold of it, and that, that gets on you. You start breaking out. This is what it's talking about. What it's talking about is a person, even within the nation of Israel, that has chosen not to follow the Lord, but he's still there. He or she's still there. They're, they're, they're looking good. They're going through the motions. And, but they're, they're telling other people and sharing with other people, you don't need to believe that. You don't need to do that. And before long, other people start, start listening, and, and that creates a, 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 a root that grows out. And it tells us to stop that so that many, it said many would be defiled. And so even within, you know, the body, we must, we must look at that to, to make sure there's not a root of bitterness, false teaching, or areas of our lives that could cause that bitterness to happen. And we have an example here with Esau's life. We just read that. And that Esau, here is Esau, the oldest son of Isaac, the son of promise. And that through Isaac, and now through Jacob and Esau, that, that, the, that the nation of Israel was going to be really established and really be used again to show the glory of God. And it talked about, again, it pointed out the sexually immoral fornicators, those that, that would pervert the design of what, what God put in marriage. And also, though, what it details is that anything, anything that gratifies the flesh, even beyond that, and this is what we saw from Esau. Esau's out in the field. He's been hunting, and he comes back, and he's tired, and he's hungry. And Jacob's in there fixing stew in his tent, and Esau stops to check in with Jacob, and he smells that, and he starts, you know, getting hungry. He's, you know, and he tells Jacob, how about, can you fix me a bowl? And we know through that, Jacob asks for Esau's birthright. What are you going to give me? What do you want? I want your birthright. But what this is showing is that Esau had no desire for the things of God. He understood, he understood through God's plan and God's law that the birthright of the, of the first son was, was a, a huge responsibility because they were going to get the blessing from the Father and through them they were to continue to teach their children generations and generations be shared of who God is and what he would do through the nation of Israel to draw people to them. And you see how flippant he was with it for a bowl of stew. But that brought a question. What's my bowl of stew? What am I willing to fall to that hinders my walk with the Lord? What am I flippant with in my life? And so as we look at that, we know that through this, that Jacob got the birthright from Esau. And then deceptively, yes, Jacob goes to Isaac, and we know that Isaac's uh, eyes are about gone. He's about to become blind. And through trickery, through him and his, his mom, that Jacob was able to, to uh, deceive Isaac and get the birthright, get the blessing 
Got the birthright from Jacob, the blessing that was supposed to come to the firstborn son. And he, he now, just as was predicted though, as prophesied, that being the younger son, now the older was going to serve. And we know through Jacob the twelve sons were born in the tribes and the nation of Israel flourished through that because of even what happened. But we know after that Esau comes into the tent and he comes before Isaac and, and he comes in and he brings some food for Isaac also. And he says, do you have a blessing for me? Will you bless me? And Isaac said, who is this? Who is this? And he goes, well, it's Esau. I'm your, I'm your firstborn. You know, and he reaches out and he says, well, it, it, it feels like Esau. It, it, it smells like Esau. It, 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 the voice is more like Esau, because remember that's one thing that Isaac questioned Jacob about was about his voice. And he said, but I've already given the blessing away. Your, your brother, yes, deceptively tricked me, but I've already given the blessing away. It's gone. You, I, I, there's nothing I can do. And, and we see these verses here is that, that Esau, if you go back to Genesis chapter 27, you'd see where, where he, he called out to Isaac. He said, well, Dad, do you not have a blessing for, you, for me? Can, okay, I'm, I'm sorry. Can we, not, can we not change this? And Isaac said, it's too late. It's too late. It's already been done. And you know, this is kind of a hard verse because when we look at it, it said he had no chance to repent. That wasn't talking about salvation. Salvation was still available to Esau. What it was because of Isaac already giving Jacob the blessing and, and Jacob had the birthright from Esau. It was a done deal and there was no turning back from that. And it says that Esau cried out. He cried out and, and he wept trying to change what he had done. But it was too late. It was too late. And as I thought about that, I thought about what these verses were doing again, encouraging, encouraging these Israelites, these Hebrews, to come on, get in the game. You have a mission. You have a mission. And I was thinking about how at some point, maybe even in your life, see, I have the privilege of standing up here today to now do what these verses said to call out to you to strive for peace, to strive for holiness with God. And the only way you can do that is to begin first, to repent of your sins. If you are lost, if you are not saved, that, that you repent of your sins and ask Jesus Christ to save you because He paid it for you on the cross. He went to the cross and took the wrath of God upon Him. And He died and He was buried. But He rose again, showing again that He's the Son of God. And we have that opportunity of salvation. And so as these verses said, I encourage you, I implore you to repent and give your life to Christ before, just as with Esau, it is too late. It was too late to get that birthright, to get that blessing. But see, right now you're breathing, you're breathing. You still have a chance of salvation. So I pray that you will repent and give your life to Christ. And now believer, believer, follower of Jesus Christ, Maybe you've struggled a little bit lately. Maybe there's something that keeps tripping you up, something in your path. Well, just as these verses say again, lift up your drooping hands. Get the, off those weak knees. The Lord is there for you. You also repent, but get in the game, get in the game. 
We have a lot of people to share the gospel with. So again, to the believer, let's go. Let's go. God's with us. To you today who may be lost, let's go. I'll be back there in the corner. Thank you for joining us for today's message. Find us at www.mpbc.church and on Facebook at facebook.com slash mpbcnc. Have a great day, and we hope you'll join us again next week.